Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. I've got something really important I want to talk about. This message is called How to Love Your Life. How to Love Your Life. And I'm really concerned for your generation, for my generation, for almost everyone alive right now, because we've talked about this before, but our, our generations and the people that are on the earth right now, it just seems to be a lot of people who don't do much, right? What do we do? We're the first generation that spends hours on social media and hours on Netflix. Statistically, we would rather stay home than hang out with people outside of our house. Statistically, we prefer to be alone than with other people. Statistically, we don't develop relationships face-to-face. We're fine texting people, but we don't really want to meet up with them ever. And these are really actually alarming statistics. And I'm not criticizing you for being that way. I'm saying these are earmarks of our generation, but there's a better way to live. And I think all of that adds up together to produce a group of people who just don't like their life. And I know that some of you in here tonight, because the Holy Ghost told me so, some of you don't like your life. Some of you hate your life, but some of you just just don't really like it. I don't really like my life. I definitely don't love my life. That's what some of you have felt like and have said. So I want to talk to you tonight about how to love your life. And I truly, really believe this just begins with the realization, a very personal realization, that God is good and he's looking to do good things in your life every single day. Most of us believe this. If I asked you, is God good, you would say yes. But I want to ask you, are you waking up every day living like God is good and like he's looking to do good things in your life every day? Today on a boring Wednesday when you maybe stayed home and did nothing, did you believe God was good today and he wanted to do good things in your life today? And this is a challenge to me, just like it is to you. God is helping me with this. But I called this How to Love Your Life because we are supposed to love our life. I listened to a podcast the other day, and I was like, wow, I've been thinking about it ever since. It was by John Mark Comer, and it was called How to Be Happy. I ripped off his title just a little bit. But he said this, God is the happiest being in the universe. God is the happiest being in the universe. Number one, do I picture him that way? If I'm being honest, not usually. I usually kind of picture him pretty somber and serious because sometimes I'm feeling pretty somber and serious. So maybe I'm projecting that on him a little bit. I look at the state of the world and I feel pretty serious about it and pretty discouraged. But God is the happiest being in the world. God laughs. When Jesus was walking on this earth, he did it with joy, right? He was walking in authority. He was walking in victory. He was doing what he was called to do, and he got nothing but pleasure from doing that. And if I really believe God is the happiest being in the universe, and he created me, and he loves me, and he's interested in me, and more than that, he lives inside of me, then there is no reason why I can't be fully happy every day. And I'm not saying that life is just about being happy and that every day is going to be perfect, but it means that no matter what each day is like, I can wake up and live as though God is inside of me, he loves me, and he is literally actively looking for ways to do great things in my life today. And that's what all this is rooted in. I'll encourage you guys to listen to this too. Pastor Nancy just preached a message in Paducah about God's goodness and his mercy. And the whole point of the message was that God is so good. 
good. And I know you would say, yes, I know God is good. But I'm saying, do you believe that he's so good that he wants to do good things in your life every day? Because we're not waking up and living life that way. Every day that I wake up and I do nothing of importance was a day that I missed an opportunity to get what God had for me. And it's not all about just doing things for him, but it's about receiving things from him. Every day that I have that's depressed or anxious was a day that didn't need to be depressed or anxious. I missed what God had for me simply because I probably didn't ask him for it, right? God is so good. He's better than you think. And the reason I think sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our brains around this is because in general, people aren't that good, right? Or our situations maybe aren't that good. Our family structure maybe isn't that good. Our status at school isn't that good. Our job situation isn't that good. Our financial situation isn't that good. We're measuring all these metrics of good by completely human standards. And there's nothing in your life that's anywhere close to being as good as God is. So it's sometimes hard to match that up with your brain. When I say God is good... That's kind of like, well, I mean, what does that mean? What does a good day look like? Every one of us in this room would describe our perfect day looking like something different, probably, right? So this idea of good's a little bit hard for our human minds to grasp because, again, a lot of things we encounter in life aren't good, but that doesn't mean that God is not good. And God is perfectly good, and that's what I want to inspire you toward. I've been thinking about that ever since I listened to Pastor Nancy's message. Like, wow, God, God is so good. And am I missing his goodness every day? If I go through a day that wasn't good, I'm convicted to believe that it's because I failed to see God's goodness in that day and I was just looking at myself or my circumstances. If I end a day and it wasn't a good day, then I didn't get what I could have got from God. Because God is good enough to take care of me every single day and give me joy every single day and meet my needs every single day in a really real way. I'm not even talking about material things or money. You know, sometimes we've grown up hearing, oh, God will meet your needs. And we're just thinking he's going to bring a check to us. And that's fine. But I'm really talking about like your mental, emotional needs, the things that make you feel good and bad every day. God is big enough to take care of that if we would only seek him for it. So I want to talk to you about how to love your life, and I'm going to point out three things tonight. I don't know if that water, is that a personal water for someone? (laughs) Okay, cool, sorry. I didn't know if that was like a church water or someone's actual water. (laughs) Didn't want to steal someone's drink. Thanks. (laughs) All right, how to love your life. Would you like to know? I need it. Number one, let your life flow from God. Number one, learn to let your life flow from God. And I want to read this to you out of Acts 17, 27 through 28. I had a piano teacher that when I took lessons from him, he seemed really old back then. So he's probably really old today. And his name was Uncle Donnie. And that's what he had everyone call him. And he would quote the scripture to me all the time. And I've never forgotten it. And I think of it often. It says this, So that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after him and find him, although he's not far from each one of us. And here's the part I want to focus on. For in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. That's a really interesting phrase for Paul to say. In God we live and move and have our being. Your life was made by God, and your life was called by God, so he's saying your life will be meaningless without God. 
I believe this is the primary thing why Christians and everyone else don't like their life because you're not letting your life come from God. And I'm not just talking about being saved and I'm not talking about coming to church on Sundays. I'm talking about actually seeking God every day and getting life from him. He is our creator. He is the giver of life. So if I don't like my life, it's because I haven't gone to him and got what I needed. And this verse says, in him we live and we move and we have our being or we exist. I'm living in him. I'm moving in him and I am existing only in him. And if I'm trying to live, move or exist outside of him, I'm going to hate it. I won't like it. I won't love it. It won't be satisfying. And I I saw this too in John 17, three in the message, it says this, this is the real and eternal life that they know you the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So what is the the gospel of John is saying here? This is real life. This is the only real life to know God and to know his son Jesus, period, that's it. And we get caught up just with everything else, with jobs and school. And listen, it's going to stay that way for the rest of your life. When I was your age, I thought the next stage of my life would be the best stage of my life. And then when I was there and I was in college, I thought, well, after college is going to be the best time of my life. And then when I was there, I thought, well, once I'm a little more financially stable, that I'll be really happy then. And then I was like, well, you know, I think if I could get a house and, and if maybe I could change jobs and do this, I'd be really happy. And Every time I arrive at each stage, I like my life less. Moving through the stages of life does nothing to make you happier, I promise. Being in a relationship does nothing to make you happier, I promise. You got your problems and now you got somebody else's problems too, all under one roof. And I'm not talking bad about nobody. I would say I'm the one with the most problems. But I'm saying for real, you think sometimes when you're younger, if I could just get this. And there's a temptation to think that for the rest of your life. There's still things I can think of now. Well, when I have this, you know, I'll just feel settled. I'll be really content. No, you won't. Moving through life does absolutely nothing to make you happier or make you like your life more because it's not about just achieving things and moving forward and checking off the list. No, it says in John, this is the real life that you would know the one and only true God and his son Jesus. That's it. So you will be dissatisfied and disappointed and frustrated in every stage of life if your life is not flowing from knowing God. You can't get life in anything else. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. There's a lot of things in life that are great, but trust me, they just won't do for you what, they, what you think they will. College won't, and relationships won't, and achieving things won't, and certain grades won't. They just don't. There's absolutely nothing in them because it's in him that we live and move and have our being. And I think it's pretty interesting because I think in the church and outside of the church, we're living in a time where people like... Maybe like 50% of God's principles, but they don't really like God. They love to talk about unconditional love and forgiveness and acceptance. Those are wonderful, amazing attributes of God. They really are. But people don't want God, right? They want to talk about positive thinking and positive thinking and, and manifestation. Those are wonderful principles laid in place by God but they mean nothing without him, right? People want the acts of God or the principles of God or some of his attributes, but they're, they're not interested in really seeking God. They just want a peaceful life, right? 
I just want to chill. I just want to be peaceful. I just want to be calm. I just want to be, you know, stress-free. That's great. We all want to be that, but you're going to have to get your life from God to ever get there. (laughs) People are trying to get there in every single way that they can, spending all kinds of money, making all kinds of dumb decisions, trying to get to this place that can only be reached if you receive your life from God. And it's so simple, but sometimes we just don't want to hear it. And again, this comes back to God's goodness. I think a lot of people, including Christians, don't like God because they think, well, if I serve God, there's a lot of things I can't do. There's a lot of things I want to do that I know I can't do because the Bible says this or because my church has taught this or because my parents tell me this. And you're missing God's goodness. Listen, God is so good. He wants to give you everything in life. And if there's things in his word that he's told us to stay away from, it's because it's not going to give us what we want in the end. (laughs) It absolutely won't. I've lived just a little bit longer than most of you in this room, and I just can promise you, whatever you think is going to make you happy, it can't. It not only won't, it literally can't. There is no chance it can ever satisfy It absolutely can't. I've tried enough times on my own (laughs) and realized there's not satisfaction in anything except a life that comes directly from God. And that's between me and him every day, every morning, that simple. No one else is there. It's not always flashy. It's not always exciting, but it gives me life every single day. And that's the only place that can bring peace every day and joy and satisfaction. So as we're talking about this, okay, uh, learn to live your life. Let, let your life, excuse me, flow from God. You might say, how do I do this? I'm really glad that you asked because I'm learning to depend on God to give me life every day. I just, I don't just want God to give me a great sermon to preach you guys on Wednesdays. And I don't just want him to bless me at my job. And I, I don't just even want his help making big decisions. I just want him every day. I want my life to come from him every single day. So what does that look like? The first thing is the word. And the second thing is the spirit. And I want to bring out both of these things because if you've been at this church for a while, you've probably heard people use this phrase, word and spirit, right? They say we are a word and a spirit church. What does that mean, right? What does that mean? If we're a word and spirit church, this is how I get my life from God every day through the word and through his spirit. So the first thing is the word. And in Psalms 19, 101, a few verses there in the Amplified say this. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. I've not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. And here's the key verse. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you imagine a light on a path, that light is designed to guide you and lead you, right? And this illustration is simple, and you're probably thinking of big things, like, okay, the Word of God can help lead me to make the right decisions, such as maybe what college to go to, or who to marry, or what job to take. And that's correct, but I want to challenge you to actually bring that down much smaller. Here's where really life from God comes into play. It's not the big decisions in my life, it's the teeny stuff every single day. For instance... Here's how the word leads me into the life God has for me every day. If I wake up and I'm feeling really depressed and I open my Bible and I see the verse in there that says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Literally, the Holy Ghost will speak to me and say, hey, you need to turn this around. My word says you can have joy, so why don't you handle that today? Then I can take that and say, you know what, Father, you're right. 
the joy of the Lord is my strength. I thank you. Your spirit gives me love and peace and joy and patience and everything else I need. Just right there in that moment, I can turn it around so that I don't have a day that's depressed. I have a day that's full of joy. And it's that easy and it's that practical. And that's what I believe he's trying to get us to see here. The word of God is not just to lead us into big things. It's to lead us into the small things that make up our life. Your life is nothing more than time and days. So it matters. If God helps me turn one random Monday around, that matters because these days add up to make up my life. I don't just want a good Sunday morning with you guys. I care about your lives Monday through Saturday, but also mine. What's the point to show up on Sunday morning and smile and be depressed the rest of the week? This is a really practical way that the word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. No matter how I wake up feeling or what I'm dealing with, when I open that book and I read it for myself, God is going to speak speak to me and change my day that day. And you know what? It's not going to seem like it's big to you. You guys probably don't care what God spoke to me on Tuesday morning. And that's okay. You don't need to. That was for me. But God will do that in a really personal way for you too. It might not seem like it's huge to other people, but when God starts changing your life every day, pretty soon you're going to have a different life. And that's exciting. And it's those little things every single day. How do I wake up and deal with anxiety? How do I wake up and deal with depression? How do I wake up and deal with rage and anger? I go to the word because I want my life to come from God. And one of the primary ways he'll help me do that is through his word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And further on in Psalms 119, verse 130 says this. I love this. Every word you give me is a miracle word. How could I help but obey? And listen, that is so the truth. The little things that God speaks to me in the morning when the house is quiet and I'm the only one up, they're literally miracle words. If I stood up here and told you what some of them were, you would think that's really stupid. But me at five o'clock in the morning, I'm crying because God is speaking to me, giving to me exactly what I need. Something really small, just saying, hey, I'm going to take care of you today. That's, that's my word for the day. That's going to turn this thing around. Every word you give me is a miracle word. How could I help but obey? Break open your words and let the light shine out. Let ordinary people see the meaning. Mouth open and panting, I wanted your commands more than anything. Turn my way and look kindly on me, as you always do to those who personally love you. Steady my steps with your word of promise. Hey, that's good. Steady my steps. Don't let me be shaky. Don't let me be thrown off today. Steady my steps with your word of promise so that nothing malign gets the better of me. Rescue me from the grip of bad men and women so I can live life your way. Smile on me, your servant, and teach me the right way to live. I cry rivers of tears because nobody's living by your book. And there are two things I want to pull out of that. Earlier in that passage, it says this, break open your words and let the light shine out. In another translation, it says, the entrance of your word gives light. And I think, to me personally, I need that light. That light represents clarity. It's really easy to live confused today. We have so much information and so many theologians from all over and so many people with their opinions. It can be super easy to get confused. So one thing that's so valuable to me is that the word of God can enter and give me light and give me clarity. Listen, you want to be enlightened? You're going to need the word of God. When I was studying for this, I didn't put this verse in here, but there, there was a passage where David said in the Psalms, like, God, I praise you. You're such a deep thinker. 
And I love that because isn't that what people accuse God of these days and Christians is just being like shallow and narrow-minded? No, God was the original enlightened being. He's a deep thinker. Whatever questions you have that feel difficult, God's got them. He's got answers. He's asked them too. God is a deep thinker. This isn't just shallow stuff, but the entrance of your word gives light and brings clarity. And then later on in that passage, it says this. What does it say? Steady my steps with your word of promise so that nothing malign gets the better of me. Again, what is he talking about? Making you steady so that you don't have to be confused and shaky. Sometimes things happen in life that make us feel really shaky. And I've been there and I know what that feels like, but God's word can steady you. Steady my steps with your word of promise. If I am truly getting in the word of God every day, I'm going to be steady. How do I show up and I'm not an emotional basket case anymore? Because the word of God made me steady. (laughs) How are my emotions not like this and you guys don't know which version of me you're getting tonight? The word of God made me steady, right? We are a very emotional generation. And if you feel offended by me saying that, you're proving the point. (laughs) We're a very emotional generation. You, me, all of us, okay? I don't know all the psychology behind it, but man... We're passionate people, I guess, which is good, but we're just all over the place with our emotions, and I need to be steady. I don't like living on an emotional roller coaster. Those around me don't like me living on an emotional roller coaster. I need to be steady. But to say all of that and sum it up, I want you to realize for the word of God to work in your life, you will have to read it and think about it every day. People who discount the word of God are not people who read it and think about it every day. And that was my problem for a long time. I didn't think it did a lot for me. And that's because I wasn't reading it every day and thinking about it every day. When you are looking to God to give you life, that's an everyday thing. So the role of the word of God in all this is an everyday thing. And I'm not saying you have to read your whole Bible every day or even a whole chapter every day. But you better have at least one verse that you read that day and that you're thinking about that day. It became a lot more effective for me personally when instead of trying to consume as much as I could, I, I thought about it as much as I could. I took one verse that jumped out at me, I wrote it on an index card, and I looked at it as much as I could for that day and the next day and the day after that until God led me to move on to another verse. And that thinking about one verse, meditating on one verse did more for me than reading three chapters a day that I didn't think about again after I closed my Bible. All right. So it's not about quantity. It's about quality here, but I really want to challenge you. And I know it's easy to not listen to this because you've heard it so many times, but I'm so stirred in my heart to you tonight to say, please read your Bible every day. Please find a verse every day to think about. It will do more than you realize. It will change things so quickly. It's what brought stability to my mind. Worship and prayer helped a lot. Um, but I, I tended to be like a little more emotional in those things. Sometimes I would just like cry <laughs> and be emotional and then not really be a whole lot better at the end. You know what brought me stability? Hello, what brought me stability was the word of God. God speaks to me when I pray and when I worship and he ministers to me, but it is the word that brought me stability and made me feel just firm and steady. I'm standing here and I'm not shaky anymore and I'm not wishy-washy anymore and it's all because of the word, but it's an everyday thing. 
Don't let that intimidate you. It's an easy everyday thing. Listen, you eat every day. That's pretty easy. Looking at one Bible verse every day is pretty easy too, right? You shower every day. I hope that's pretty easy. There's a lot of things we do every day. Sometimes people get, I think, just overwhelmed by thinking of doing something every day. But you do a million things every day of your life. It's okay. You brush your teeth every day. You do all these things every day. Listen, Tape a Bible verse on your bathroom mirror or whatever it takes for you to see it every day and think about it every day, and it will make you steady. The second thing here about how to get your life directly from God and letting your life flow from Him, first was the Word, and the second is the Spirit. And in John 6.63, the Amplified, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit whatever, and there's no profit in it. The words and truths that I've been speaking into you are spirit and life. But that first point is really pointed and really clear. It is the spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The implication there is that if it's the spirit who gives life, I'm not going to have much of a life if I try to do it without him. The spirit gives life. Do we wake up and we think about that every day? The Spirit of God gives us life. Not just to make us a Christian, not just to make us born again, not just the day that you were born and you came into the world, but the Spirit gives life every day. And if I am trying to really live life to the fullest and love my life, I won't be able to do it without the giver of life, the Holy Spirit. One of the primary ways that we live with the Spirit, it's really simple, and again, it's a daily thing, is prayer, both in English and praying in tongues. Listen, when I couldn't hear God speak, and I didn't know how to hear from Him, praying in tongues was the thing that changed it for me. Not reading more of the Bible, and not listening to more podcasts, and not listening to more worship, for me, I did all those things, and they're important, but praying in tongues was the singular changing factor in me being able to hear from God, and it really still is today. If I'm having a hard time hearing from him, it's when I've not had enough time, not taken enough time, excuse me, to pray the way that I need to in the last couple days, and if I'll take some time and pray in tongues a little extra, boom, there he is. I can hear him super clear. It's really easy. Again, you do a lot of things every day, so Make this something you do every day. And I've shared this before, and I'll tell you again. Here's how I got started, okay? I couldn't pray in tongues for an hour. I couldn't even pray in tongues for 10 minutes at that time without being distracted and my mind wandering off. And my total prayer time was probably like two and a half minutes, okay, out of 10. That's it. So I decided if I couldn't do it for long, I was just going to do it often. So every chance I got, I prayed in tongues. Even if it was for 30 seconds, every time I thought about it, I did it. Every time I drove in my car, I prayed in tongues. Every time that I was walking out the door, I prayed in tongues. Just silly things. Every time I was making my coffee, I prayed in tongues. And all these teeny tiny increments that people probably thought wouldn't do much, right? What does anything do if you do it for 30 seconds? With God, it does a lot. (laughs) He can do a lot with a little. And all of a sudden, man, I just started hearing him speak all the time. It wasn't even just like one random word or one thing one time, it was like, wow, like I could really hear him a lot right now. This is amazing. He began to to talk to me not only about my life, but lead me to pray for other people, tell me things to tell other people to encourage them. It was a whole new world, all because I took a little time to pray in tongues, and I just did it as much as I could. 
every day. Every time I thought about it, I did it. Every time I got in my car, I did it. So don't be overwhelmed by feeling like you have to do something big. Start small and God is going to do big things. And the more you do it and the more he starts to move, it gets really exciting. And then it's easy to do it after that. But it takes the word and the spirit. The real way to let your life flow from God every day is to have time with the word and with the spirit every day. So what's the result of doing this, right? If we really spend time with the word and we really spend time with the spirit, look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23 in the message. It says, but, but what happens when we live life God's way? That's what we're talking about, right? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Listen to this. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, and serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. Hey, that is something our generation is not good with. <laughs> we develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart. That's another struggle for our generation. And a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. But I love that part that says this. When we live God's way, you'll start to see things like this, exuberance about life and serenity. And isn't that what we all want, just to love our life and have peace when we go to bed at night? If you struggle with either of those, if you don't like your life, this is the answer, I promise. I promise. And it's easier than you think because God is so good. Again, he's a good God who's looking to do good things in your life every day. If you even make like a tiniest move toward him, he's going to reward you. He overdoes it. He's a parent who really kind of spoils his children, right? For just the minimum, minimum, minimal effort, the tiniest movement toward him, he is thrilled and he'll reward that. That's how my life felt like it changed so quickly. I'm not saying that things changed overnight, but when I just started doing these simple things, it did change really quickly. And it wasn't that my life looked different, but it was that my heart and my mind were different and my depression was different and my anxiety was different. I loved my life again. I had something to be excited about every day. I had exuberance for life and serenity. I had peace, which is so amazing. So living God's way is the only way to live happily. I promise you. I promise you, and I'm not trying to be preachy. I'm just trying to save you a lot of time and energy and disappointment because I think even too, a lot of people fall away from the church and from God just because they get disappointed and say, well, I don't know. I just didn't really find what I was looking for. Well, did you do these things? I would just challenge each of those people so kindly and so lovingly to say, hey, I get it. We've all felt that way. But did you really do these simple, basic things every day? Because I believe with all my heart, if you do them, there's just no way you can be disappointed. It doesn't mean my life is perfect. It doesn't mean everything goes the way I want it to. But the real value is that no matter what happens and how bad things get externally, I can still love my life and have peace. And that is more valuable than anything else I could try to chase down. And it's interesting to note, too, that the writer of the book of Psalms, David, repeatedly expresses the joy and happiness that's found in knowing God and serving him. And I think this is noteworthy as we see that it comes from David because David was a king. Okay, and kings were different than even our presidents. If you think the president has a lot of money, the kings had a lot more. Kings literally had access to everything they wanted. And I'll say this, kings had access to everything you think you want. I promise. Whatever you think will make you happy, David had it, and he had it times 100. Relationships, women, money, power, 
fame, authority, success, because he was a great king. It says he was a man after God's own heart. But when we see him, he repeatedly just expresses the joy and happiness that's found in knowing God. He does not express joy or happiness in anything else that he had. And we see in his life when he chased those things, he found himself in a lot of despair instead, right? David made some really big mistakes. And it's so, I just think, staggering that he stands at the end and says, hey, the thing that brought me joy and the thing that made me happy and the thing that got me out of bed every day was God who overwhelmed me with goodness and who always helped me. That's what brought me happiness. Nothing else. I'll say it again. Everything that you think you want, David had. And he said the only source of joy was God and knowing God, having a relationship with God. So I want to encourage you in that tonight. The first thing And how to love your life is to learn to let your life flow from God. These next two points I'm going to move a lot more quickly on, so don't worry. And I actually want to encourage you, if you struggle with each of these things, either of these things, I would really encourage you to reach out actually to a life group leader because I think talking to people one-on-one can really help with both of these things I want to talk about next. So that's why I'm going to talk about them kind of briefly here tonight. I'm going to kind of get you started. And then if you feel like that speaks to you, I want you to seek out somebody and talk to them about it. The second thing... And how to love your life is that you need to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says this. It is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness that we are not consumed because his tender compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great and abundant is your stability and faithfulness. Or another translation says great is your mercy. They are new every morning. I want to say to you really strongly tonight, this isn't a cliche and this isn't just motivational speaking. You have a brand new start every morning and God's mercies are fresh every day. And I feel this really strongly in my heart. The reason that some of you don't love your life and are not moving forward in what God has for you is because you're hung up on what you've done or the person that you've been. But I want to talk about David for a second because David had to forgive himself. One of the mistakes that David made was when his, his army was out to war, his, he as the king actually should have been with them fighting, but he stayed home. So that was the first mistake. He left his job and left his post. He shouldn't have done that. While he was home, he slept with a married woman, right? So it was a mistake, but at first it wasn't so bad. Then a couple months later, she finds out she's pregnant. So now it gets a little hairier and her husband is in David's army. So David's solution to his first couple of mistakes is to make another really big mistake and say, move her husband to the front of the line in the army to be sure he gets killed. David didn't kill him with his own hands, but he ordered his death sentence and set it up for that. So David killed a man. I don't know if anyone in this room has killed a man. That's not my business tonight. We're not getting into that. But I want to encourage you and say, even if something like that has happened, forgive yourself. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart and a great king. How could we look at someone who's done that and say, well, that was a man after God's own heart? Yes, because God forgave him and he forgave himself and moved forward. Another person that had to forgive himself was Paul. If you know the story of Paul, before he got saved, his name was Saul. And he literally spent his life hunting Christians, which sounds a little bit extreme because things like that don't happen in the United States. But literally, legally, he was allowed to find them and kill them, and no one was stopping him. It was like, okay, 
That's what he did with his life. I don't know how many people that he saw killed, but I'm sure it was a lot. The Bible gives us the account of when Stephen was stoned, Paul was there, and they almost, it, it's like the way that the story is told, it was almost like an offering to Paul. As Stephen was being stoned and he was dying, people were laying down their coats and palm branches in front of Saul like, like it was a gift to him or something because he hated Christians and he hunted them and killed them. That is a really, really big past coming from the guy who wrote most of the New Testament that you and I read every day. Isn't that amazing? I want to say to you tonight, those men could not have done what they did if they didn't forgive themselves. It wasn't just about God forgiving them because God will forgive you of everything every time. But listen, you're going to have to forgive yourself. You're going to have to forgive yourself. It's not doing anybody any good for you to sit around every day and think about who you've been and what you've done. It just isn't. All of us have got a second chance in life that's not fair. So you need to take that and run with it. I stand here today having been given a second chance I don't deserve. So I'm going to push that absolutely to the max because otherwise I'm just disrespecting God's gift to me. That was a really expensive thing for him to hand me forgiveness. Somebody died that did nothing wrong just so I could stand here and be forgiven. Imagine if I gave you a $3 million house, tax-free even. Somehow I arranged it. You don't have to pay the taxes. I don't know. And when you're 30, you'll be excited about that. I give you a $3 million home. Do you think my feelings would be a little bit hurt if you said thanks, but you stayed in your tiny house in Sellersburg? No shade to Sellersburg. I had a tiny house in Sellersburg. That's why I'm saying that. <laughs> I loved that tiny house in Sellersburg. But really, if I gave you a $3 million home and you just decided to stay in your tiny house, don't you think that'd be a little strange? It's the same thing when we sit around and disqualify ourselves because of our past. It doesn't matter. You've been given something else. It doesn't matter what you've done. You've been handed a different life. You've been handed a new life. You're not doing anyone any favors being stuck in what you've done and feeling bad for it. God came not only to forgive you, but to erase the guilt of that. And I just won't live in guilt for anything I've done. And that doesn't mean that I haven't done plenty of things that I'm embarrassed about and that I just wish so bad I could change, but I can't. So I'm leaving them behind and I'm going to live the life God gave me because I don't deserve it, but I was given it. And that is such an exciting gift. I'm not going to neglect it just because I think that I haven't lived up to it and I can't change. And I'm talking about even whatever you did last night, it doesn't matter. God's mercies are new every morning. Take advantage of them. That was a really expensive gift so use it. Don't abuse it, but use it. And too many people, I think young people and old people, man, they're just stuck in their past. And you're maybe sitting there being like, well, you don't know what I did. No, I don't, but you don't know what I did. <laughs> we don't know what, it, what everybody did, but I know we've all been given a second chance and a brand new life. So take that forgiveness and run with it. It is really easy for me to forgive other people now because I know how much God's forgiven me, but I had to learn to forgive myself too. I could live embarrassed just like you. I could live under shame just like you can. But I can also choose not to. And I can receive what God did for me and move forward. So forgive yourself because his mercies are new every morning. The last point that I want to give you tonight for how to love your life is to forgive others. Forgive yourself and then forgive others. Luke 23, 33 says this. 
When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. This is Jesus, obviously. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And I just want to bring this out because as Jesus is about to die, I'm sure there was a lot on his mind. He was carrying out a really big purpose. I think it's noteworthy that one thing that he stopped to say out loud, he didn't keep it just between him and God. He said it out loud and it's recorded for us to read is, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Right before Jesus died, he made it a point to out loud forgive other people. And if you make a choice to not forgive people, that's going to hold you back your entire life. And what they did for you is not only going to affect your past, but also your future. And that's a big deal. And hear me tonight, because this is a little bit of a strong point. I'm not discounting what happened to you or the way that you were hurt or mistreated or anything like that. But I'm saying, do not let that keep you in that place your whole life. You have got to forgive. If you want to love your life and you want to wake up every day and really receive life from God, you will have to forgive, period. That's it. End of conversation. There's no buts. There's not exceptions. You are going to have to forgive. And whatever's on your mind right now that you're going to have to forgive, guess what? There's going to be something new to forgive next week (laughs) and next month and next year. That's one thing I've just had to accept. I can stand here and say, well, they shouldn't have done that. But they did do that, and other people will continue to do that. (laughs) That's the experience of being human. I can control myself, but I can't control other people, and that's a good thing. I'm not made to control other people, but I'm going to have to forgive them. People are going to treat me wrongly, and I'm going to forgive them. That's the end. That's what the attitude I started taking for my life. People will mistreat me, and I'm not saying I expect the worst from people. I don't have like a negative. It doesn't, and that's not running through my head all the time, but that is just the bottom line for me. Hey, when someone treats me wrongly, I'm not going to be surprised, and I'm going to immediately forgive them. That's it. It's over. That's how I keep it from affecting me. No one can hurt me or harm me or mess up my life if I choose to forgive them. My forgiveness takes all the power out of that thing. And I'm not saying, again, that what happened to you wasn't wrong or horrible or whatever it was. I'm not justifying what happened. But I'm saying separate yourself right now from that and say, listen, what do I want my life to be like? If I want to love my life, forgiveness is required. And when you choose to forgive, that situation doesn't have power over you anymore. And I've shared this before. One of the biggest things I had to forgive in my life took me like six months. And every day I woke up still angry about it. So every day I got in my car on my drive to work and said, Father, I forgive that person. Father, I love that person because you love that person. So I love that person. Father, I know you have great plans for their life. And I pray that you would speak to them today, that you would move in their life, that they would accomplish all that you have for them. And I would pray for that person. And it would work for that day. And those feelings of anger would leave. And guess what? When I woke up the next day, they would be there again. And I would do the same thing over again, (laughs) again and again and again for about six months. And then finally those feelings stopped coming back. And now it's really easy for me to forgive. I had to learn it really. It was difficult in that one situation. But once I learned how to turn loose of that internally, it's really easy now. And like I just told you a minute ago, the decision is made before something happens. If you do something wrong to me, that's okay. I'm not going to be shook and I'm going to forgive it immediately. It's fine. 
It doesn't justify your behavior, but your behavior is between you and God, and I'm not letting that mess up my life. I'm also not trying to bring judgment in your life. That's not my role either. I'm not going to make you pay. I'm not going to make you feel bad. I'm not going to let you know how bad you hurt me. I'm going to let it go because I care about my life too much to let you mess it up, frankly. At the end of the day, it's like a little bit of a selfish decision. I care too much about the call of God on my life and my peace of mind every day. I'm not going to let you have it. So the way I do that is forgive. Everyone of everything, Ibsy says that I forgive everyone of everything every time. And I know that the first time might be hard. Or that big situation that you've been holding on to for years might be really hard. And that's okay. It was hard for me too. I told you it took me six months every day. But I was committed to forgiving them. And now it's easy. And the decision is made before anything ever happens. I forgive others. Because Jesus set that example for me. Right before he died, he could have said anything. But one of the things he said was, Father, I forgive them. And I know that that was an example for me. And I'm going to take that too. No matter what people have done for me. Father, I forgive them. And he asked God to forgive them. Father, forgive them. He was pleading their case to God, which is just amazing. They were the people killing him. So forgive others. If you want to love your life, learn to let your life flow from God. Forgive yourself and forgive others. And like I said earlier, I encourage you, if you do struggle with forgiving yourself or forgiving others, talk to a life group leader about it. Talk to a leader in your life about it. I think with those things, it really helps to voice that to someone else and they can help keep you accountable. And, and it's also somebody you can talk to when you start to feel those feelings of anger or something coming back. It's helpful to have a partner in that, I think. So if you struggle with that, I encourage you to reach out. And in closing, I want to look at Ephesians 3.20 in the message. And I want to say this as a really personal word to you tonight, okay? How to love your life because we have a good God who wants to do really good things in your life every day. He's literally looking for ways to do great things. So listen to this. I'm saying this to you. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. It sounds like Willy Wonka. It's amazing, but it's not too good to be true. I'll say it again. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit, hello, deeply and gently within us. So I want to remind you in your life of the truth that God can do anything in your life. Anything in your life, I don't care how much you hate your life today or dislike your life today or feel like your life is hard today, that's okay. Listen to me, God can do anything far beyond what you could imagine or guess or even ask for. Whatever your dream life is that you would ask God for right now, he's so good he wants to do more than that every day. So God can do anything. I want to encourage you to give your life to him daily and see what he can do. Really learn to love your life. Let your life really flow from God by getting in his word every day and spending time with his spirit every day. Forgive yourself and forgive other people. I know these are really basic things, but that's how I learned to love my life. That's how God helped me love my life and made my life something that I could love was through these easy things. So tonight, trust in God's goodness for your life because I'm going to say it one more time. He is good, and he's looking for ways to be good to you every single day. And if you have to write that down and get up and say it every morning until you believe it, then do it.
If you say something long enough, you're going to believe it. That's what I did when I said, I'm forgiving that person. I didn't really feel like I wanted to forgive them, but I said it. So my faith got with it and I believed it. And now I'm totally, total in forgiveness with them. It's no problem. So God is good and he's looking for ways to be good to you every day. Say it every day if you need to. So I'm going to pray and close our service tonight. Again, we have a police officer here. Uh, Don't be alarmed. And again, on the 22nd, bring your team shirts for our team party that night. Father, We're really grateful that you've made a way for us to love our life, Father, that we don't have to be a statistic and we don't have to just fall to the pitfalls of our generation, Father, that we can love our life no matter what it looks like and no matter what's going on, Father. We thank you for giving us your word and your spirit that help us to forgive and live our best life and walk in all the goodness that you have for us. And I just speak that over every person tonight as an affirmation to their heart, Father. You're a good God who is looking for ways to do good things in their life every day. So, Father, we're going to start looking to you to do some good in our life and to draw near to you. And I thank you, Father, for beginning to stir in people's hearts tonight, even as we lead up until camp about all you're going to do in us at summer camp and all the goodness you're going to bring about. Father, we're so excited and so expectant for what you're going to do, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media. 